0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I remember when I was a kid, I actually have to confess, I worried a lot. I used to worry a lot. Anyway, anybody know what that is? Yeah, good. Thank you. Paul would know that. He's an Eagles fan. Yeah. He likes Tommy Walker and the Eagles. But anyway, anyway, I used to worry a lot. I worried if I would graduate high school, Then I worried if I get accepted to college. And while I'm in, in junior high, I'm worrying if I'll ever really find a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend every week. We started going out, we used to call it going steady, remember that? And, and this is so, this is so, so cool, if, if you're old like me, you may remember, we used to give St. Christopher's out. Does anybody remember that? You're that? Yeah. Well, these little <laughs> necklaces. I'm a Jewish kid. Giving out St. Christopher's, I don't even know what a St. Christopher is and why there is a guy named Christopher who's a saint, but uh, they were turquoise or they were reddish in color, and I I had a box of them. And so you give them on Monday, and you know what happened by Friday, right? We broke up. You know, and then later on, I remember when my son was in middle school, they called it going out. Dad, I'm going out with a girl. Where are you going? We're going out. What does that mean? We, we eat together, and we hold hands when no one's looking. I go, okay, that, that's as far as you go, right there. you know. And I worried, and, I, and then I worried at, in Bible college, like, you know, will I find a wife? And I remember when I proposed to Debbie, it was very romantic, I won't tell you about it, but I, I remember I proposed to Debbie, and in a moment of insanity, she said yes. <laughs> and I said, I'm, you're hold, I'm holding you to it. And uh, about a year later, after I proposed, we we got married. I was 20 years old. And don't try this at home. It's a little young. But I was 20 years old. And then I I worried, would we ever have a kid? And then Jamie came. And I remember holding this this blob of flesh in my arms. Uh, She's four minutes old. And I started worrying about her life. Would she be okay? And I remember looking in her eyes and going, you know, you will grow up and... And, and, and you, will, you will trust in the Lord, but you're going to have some speed bumps along the way and some storms in your life, and, and then, then you'll get old. Your hair will get gray and silver, and then you will die. And <laughs> Debbie said, give her to me. You're creeping her out, you know. And, <laughs> and so I did. I, I gave her to her. I, I just, I love that season too. Uh, I went around telling all my friends at college, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're pregnant. Guys, that is not true. You never need to say We're pregnant. <laughs> You, you may have had a part in it, but you're not pregnant, and you won't have to deal with morning sickness, and you won't have to deal with the potential of stretch marks, and your body won't get a new shape. I mean, it, it, it will eventually. Uh, I didn't always look like this, you know. Actually, I was handsome and in pretty good shape at one time. And, uh, but isn't it funny how we can worry into the future? I mean, worry, some of you are worried about the future now. Some of you are worried about what tomorrow will bring. Some of you are worried about your kids and their safety. And some of you are worried about the economy. And some of you are worried about, ah, you're worried about the wall. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I, I ran into someone um, who's a federal employee, and uh, they're worried about their next paycheck. And I told them, don't worry. They go, well, well, what about, like, what are we going to eat? I go, Wild West Pizza. They're giving away free mediums any federal employees and the food bank. And, and, and I said, you'll, you'll be okay. Well, well, how do you know? Because this has happened before, I said. And you're still here. 2008, we survived the, one of the greatest recessions, at least of most of our lifetimes. Some of you went through the great, great recession. And by the way, you're still here. Isn't it interesting? If, if we only knew before the storm that we would be okay, if we only had faith before the storm that we would make it. But, but maybe you've had the perfect storm in your life. I don't know if how many remember the uh, the movie back in 1991. All I need to say to the ladies is uh, George Clooney. And uh, some of you may remember that. Uh, the perfect storm. It's the sinking of the Andrea Gale. And everything on the eastern seaboard was just perfect. It was the the, the northeaster or the nor'easter, it depends where you're from, uh, everything converged. And actually, in the movie, and this is true, that as the, the radar showed, the Andrea Gale was right in the middle of the perfect storm. Everything was perfect. And in the middle of the movie, there's a scene. I was going to show it to you, but they used some profanity, so I, I, I couldn't. But uh, uh, in the middle of, of, of this, there's a, a call from another ship, and the call is, get out of there because I can see it on the radar. Everything is converging in. Hurricane force winds, cold front, plus a downpour, and everything is dark. We can't even navigate by the stars if we use that old technology because we can't see the stars. Everything's too dark. Uh, This week, we were glad for the rain, unless you have a leaky roof. (laughs) True story. This person doesn't go to our church, but a true story. As they were leaving work early, to drive home, they heard from their wife that the roof was leaking. The living room, drywall, mud was coming down. You know, when drywall gets wet, you know that yuck it makes? It was coming into the living room on their brand new carpet. And as the husband is driving home, he smells something and all of a sudden the transmission starts to slip. Perfect storm? It's finals week at school. And your girlfriend breaks up with you and gives you back your St. Christopher. Come on. <laughs> huh? I mean, it's an investment that's gone bad, plus you're losing clients. The rent goes up, plus your kid's making a stupid decision in life. You, your, your loved one is sick, plus there's a strain at work that you can't even seem to, 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 to comprehend. Everything's going bad. Or Or maybe like in my last season of life, you're dealing with your aging parents and taking care of them. And then you come to a season where, and some of you are, are here and, or have been here, where you're trying to help your parents, and they're agitated because in your help, they don't know who you are. Or like one family in our church, God bless them. I mean, they went through this with faith. Mom and dad are both in convalescent care. They're helping their adult kids, and they're watching their grandchildren at the same time. That's, that's called a triple sandwich, You know, you've got the older and you've got the younger and and you've got the next generation. But in all of that, whether you face the perfect storm or not, in all of that, we remember this. And let's write it down the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. There will be a perfect storm in your life at some point. I'd like to pray it away, but well, Jesus said you'll have trouble in this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We're gonna to go to Acts chapter 27, and I wanna to talk to you about the Apostle Paul. We've been using Philippians 4 as the uh, framework of this series, and I've also been giving credit to Max Lucado and his book, Anxious for Nothing. Uh, some of this book has become the framework of this message as well. Paul is writing to us in Philippians 4 from a prison cell. Not a palace, a prison. But he understands what storms are like, not just a prison place, but he was on a boat once. Acts 27 talks about this boat. He says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. In other words, this storm is so strong, we can't navigate against it. We're just going to go along. For the ride. And we passed to the lee of the small island called Kata, and we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then we passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. This is called frapping. Not frappuccino. Not wrapping, but frapping. And they would actually take rope, go underneath the boat in the midst of the storm. Think about this and they would tie the boat together so the boards of the boat would not break apart in the midst of the storm, or if they hit the sandbar, that somehow the boat would still hold together. So they would take these ropes, and they would frap the boat. We'll talk about that in a moment. They were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbar, so they lowered the sea anchor. It's now dragging the shore or the bottom of the ocean, wherever it can find a place to grab. And we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Listen, when you throw your cargo overboard, that means you have no hope. you have just thrown away, ladies, your luggage and your makeup. It's all gone <laughs> overboard. And something else happened. On the third day, we throw away our ship's tackle. Now we lost our ability to catch fish to eat. This is, this is bad. We've thrown away our, you know, our clothing. We've thrown away all our supplies. We've thrown away our fish tackle, and uh, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all, gave up all, of being saved. Save. We're not going to be rescued. This is the end of our lives. It's over. Now, the reason I want you to key in on the Apostle Paul is he's not a theorist. He's a practitioner. Two years ago, I went to a a conference for pastors, and uh, we're in the room, and this one guy gets up who's a professor at a very prominent seminary, and he starts talking to us about preaching and teaching our congregation in difficult times. And the guy next to me, I mean, he's kind of cynical. I have a friend, he's kind of cynical and sarcastic. he writes down, I'm not listening to him anymore. We I mean, were in a room, thousands of pastors. They've all paid to come. I'm not listening to him anymore. Sad face. I go, what, what, what? He's never pastored a church. He's a theorist, not a practitioner. He doesn't have to write a sermon every week for 32 years. Good morning. He doesn't have to deal with people dying, coming out of an ICU, or not coming home. He's probably not done any infant funerals. I don't want to hear him tell me anything about pastoring people because he's a theorist, not a practitioner. By the way, if you want great advice, don't just go to a theorist. Go to somebody who's been where you're going. Don't ask, don't ask a woman about raising children when she's never had one. You want to talk to mamas who, who've had babies, You know, not men who said, yeah, we were pregnant. No, 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 you want to talk to her because she gets it. Because she raised one kid or two kids or 10 kids, and she gets it. So I want to listen to the apostle Paul. I want to lean into what he has to say. See, while you may be facing the perfect storm, here's what the apostle Paul would say. Jesus offers you the perfect peace. While you may be going through the worst time of your life, or maybe around the corner, you file this sermon, you might need it someday. You can recognize that the apostle Paul is telling us the truth in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. I'd like to read it with you. Ready? Go. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for, for nothing. Yeah, some of you say, yeah, sure, pastor, I'm anxious for nothing all the time. No, no. don't be anxious about anything, <laughs> but in every what? Situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the Peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You won't fall apart emotionally, your heart, and you won't fall apart with your thinking and go to stinking thinking. You'll actually think correctly. Why? Because I've been in a boat and I've been in a storm. And now I'm in in a prison and I'm telling you, God can be with you. It's like walking through the door into a new room. If you think about going into the room, and you never actually open the door and walk into the room. You'll never experience what's there. Your friends could tell you, man, it's really great in this room. This room is real. Oh, man, the ambiance in this room is great. The temperature is just perfect. Oh, I love this room. And you're on the outside saying, is it really nice in there? Yeah, it's great. See, that's like some people who are talking about or thinking about giving their life to Jesus. They're just, they're, 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 excuse me for saying this, they're what I call religious groupies. They just hang around. Oh, that's really cool, yeah. Yeah, I like that song, man. Once a week, I need a little Jesus song. And then, and they, and, But they won't step into faith, into his presence. They won't step into believing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They won't step into saying, I want to follow after him. I believe the Apostle Paul is giving us steps to step into, or the word obey for peace, steps that we need to obey for peace. And here they are. Here they are. Rejoicing in the Lord, pursuing a gentle spirit, focusing on the nearness of God, praying about everything with thanksgiving. That's what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Rejoice in the Lord when? Come on, always. And again, I say rejoice. Pursue a gentle spirit. He says in Philippians 4 that your gentleness would be known to all. And then he says, focus on the nearness of God. The Lord is near. Okay, I got that. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. Remember we've been talking about giving our requests to God and our concerns to God, kind of like teaching a dog to stay. We give all our requests to God. I got an email from a lady this week. She goes, I have been in church for 15 years. I've never heard anything so helpful in my life. So let me repeat what she said. She said, I like when you said, give all our cares to the Lord and treat our cares like a dog and tell our cares to stay and command our rejoicing and celebration to follow us. Stay, stay, stay. Come, come. No, no, you can't come. I don't need my fear and my worry and my concern. I'm going to leave it at the feet of Jesus. Ooh, you stay. And that little dog's going to whimper and whine, and all your cares and concerns and fears are going to whimper and whine. Listen, they don't deserve a treat. They just need to stay. 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 I was talking with Debbie this week. One of the bad parts about having your wife in church, but I was talking about Debbie this week. And, and, and I was sharing a concern I had. She says, you know what you need to do? You need to teach that concern how to stay. I said, ah! <laughs> By the way, you think I just preach this stuff, man? This stuff haunts me. I mean, this sermon's going to come back Wednesday and get me. And if the sermon doesn't come back Wednesday and get me, my wife will remind me of what I said in church, you know? I've even a few pastor friends that watch online. They'll go back in the week and watch our archive messages and go, did you really, do you really believe that? Yeah. Well, you should start living that. And I go, oh, oh, pain, pain, agony. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to step into the peace of God by rejoicing the Lord, by pursuing a gentle spirit, by focusing on the nearness of God, by praying about everything, by giving him our request, by teaching them how to stay and do it with thanksgiving. And then we can say, okay, Lord, now I'm a candidate for your peace. Let me help you with this. Okay. I believe the Lord can miraculously give us peace and comfort just like that. But I also believe there's times he says, you, you, you got to follow the formula? I gave you a guide. i me, the apostle Paul. He told you what to do. Philippians 4. You got to do it? Oh, Lord, I just want to pray for Peace. I want to keep my worry high, my anxiety high. I want to complain, moan, and groan. I really don't want to worship at all. I mean, come on, I just need some peace. Bring bring your peace. And I think sometimes the Lord goes, "Uh uh-uh. I'm not going to bring you peace because I gave you a formula through a guy named the Apostle Paul. Then I had a guy named Bernie, week after week, (laughs) remind you about it, and you want to go forward and worry? I, I think God just says, no, I'm not going to do that. Listen, step into the peace that God has for you. John 14, many of you know Jesus is about to leave the planet. John 14, 15, 16, 17, these are the last words of Jesus. He's telling his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross, and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Everybody says, oh, amen, hallelujah. Wow, wow, but but look, even Jesus came, don't you let your hearts be troubled. You want my peace? Then you have to decide to not let trouble rule your heart. Do you, you see it there? Oh, and then he goes one more, you know, level deeper. And uh, Do not be afraid. Lord, I want your peace. Thank you. The promise says you'll leave it with me. And the Lord says this, are, 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 are you troubled? You can't grab my peace and grab trouble at the same time. So you have to let your heart not be troubled. Remember, these are guys who had been with Jesus. They heard him teach. They watched him do miracles. They watched him raise the dead. They watched him heal the blind, the sick, the lame. He's about to leave, and he says, I, I know your heart. Your heart's going to go to a troubled place. Don't you dare do it. Don't you dare allow that to happen, because I want you to experience peace in the midst of your storm. So three ways to experience God's peace during a storm. Here we go. Number one, remember that storms are not how the story ends. <laughs> Listen, if this was testimony time, we'd had some of you say, well, yeah, I had a storm back in 86, 96, 2006. Talked to a young guy yesterday. Actually, Steve Abraham's son was here with him. And uh, I said, when would you graduate? He said, 15. It took me a minute to get my mind around 15. Because we're 19. He graduated four years ago. You know? Because some of you would say, well, graduated '06." <laughs> You know, ninety something, right? He goes, I got it at fifteen. Got it, got it. Don't know why I told you that. I just told you that. <laughs> nothing to do with the message. Storms. Storms are a part of the story. Uh, I, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say this. A lot of us have areas where we could say, you know, what? I had a storm in oh fifteen. I had a storm in 06. I had a, I had cancer. I had to recover from. I had. Oh, I lost a loved one in. Uh, We've all had storms. Storms are a part of our story, but they're not our story. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and, and sorry, I've been around a long time now, and I'm, I'm getting older, so I'm old, bolder as I get older, and, and here's one of the bolder things I'm saying: say. Stop talking about how bad that season of your life was, and start talking about how great God was as he got you through the season. Let it be a testimony. You know, hey, look, 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 I did something stupid, I went to jail, but the Lord was with me, and then I grew, and and now I'm a law-abiding citizen, and I'm making great kingdom contributions. I'm adding value to other people. See, if your story has to start with how bad it was, it should be like the shortest line in the story. It was a dark night, a very dark (laughs) night. It was a storm of perfect proportions. But God who's rich in mercy. And you just just, just go crazy. Because see, people will lean in on your bad story. They will. Hey, I had a time, man, where everything went I the the, the wheels fell off the train, life was oh yeah, tell me more. More because people like the story, man, the bad stuff. But then lean in and say, Yeah, but but God, I didn't deserve I don't deserve the wife I have, or the husband I have, or the friends I have. I don't deserve the grace of God, mercy, but he's given it to me. See, uh, here's what, what Paul said to the guys on the boat, Acts 27, 24, and 25. Paul had a visitation from an angel, and an angel speaks to him that everything's going to be all right. And so here's what the angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Oh, what does that have to do with our story? Everything. Standing trial before Caesar was yet to come. So Paul knew that. We can't go down with the ship because I have a trial to go stand before. You see? He knew that there was a tomorrow. God had already promised him future things and he held on to that promise. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, these guys aren't going to die because they're with you. And so here's what he tells the men. Have courage, guys. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. In other words, we're going to land this ship. We're not going down with the ship. We're not going to die because I got to go see Caesar. I just think about it. If God promised you that in 2022 something's going to happen in your life, guess what? You're going to be here in 2022. Oh, yeah, but, but this, this, this situation... That I'm in. Hey, how many times have you heard me say this? I think maybe a 1,016 times. It's not all about this, and it's not all about now. And when we as people of faith make life all about this or all about now, we, we, we miss it. Uh, moving ahead, uh, Josh, John 16, says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Be of peace good courage, be courageous, I've conquered the world. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not just talking about religious looky-loos or just people that hang around on the fringe or get that worship song once a week. Come on. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, he's conquered the world. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but pastor, you didn't see Fox News last night. You didn't, you know, what are we going to... You know, and I'm not going to be political, because every time I do, somebody just gets torqued, you know? I had a guy email me and say, hey, they ought to put me in the White House. I could do a better job. I said, you can't run your own household. (laughs) You can't even balance your own budget at home. Come on, come on. Listen, I do not need to be afraid. I do not need to worry. I do not need to let Fox, CNN, MSNBC... Politico, uh, the National Enquirer, Justin Bieber, or anybody, anybody freak me out about tomorrow's condition because God is with us. God is near. I'm sorry. I'm excited about this. See, I know about storms. They are scary. They are hard. They are difficult, but they're also temporary. And I told you a few weeks ago it was a great assignment write a prayer to God based on his promises. Lord, Here's what I see in front of me now, but here's what you said in your word. And pray that over and over again. Quote the scriptures to God. Quote the scriptures to yourself. Get excited because God is with you. And guess what? Number two, remember that God's help is enough for you today. Today. The waves are too big. The winds are blowing. It's too hard. And it's too dark out there. And we have to take the ropes around the boat and frap. We've got to frap. We're talking more about frapping in a moment. Some of you can't wait. And how are you gonna make it to the next months? Next eight months? You gonna make it? See, if you think about eight months, now I'm all for planning and, and stratop and all that stuff, but when you're thinking about eight months, it can overwhelm you. All I remember is Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and in John 17, and he said, give us today our daily bread. He never said, give us today the next eight months of provision. And he likened, give us today our daily bread to the manna that came down every day for the children of Israel. God even said to the children of Israel, don't you dare try to refrigerate that manna because it'll spoil. Just take what you need today and come back tomorrow. Take what you need today and come back tomorrow. I I think that's God's plan for our life. That's what Jesus said. Go to God every day and say, God, give me the strength for today. Give me all that I need today. Now, if you came to me and said, Bernie, can you lift 50,000 pounds? My answer would be yes. If I lift 50 pounds 10 times a day. I can do that. For 100 days, I will have lifted 50,000 pounds. So when you look at the monumental, can you physically lift? Not, no no forklift allowed. You know, no special rigging or cranes, right? No help from ULA or SpaceX. This is just you going to lift 50,000 pounds by yourself. It's overwhelming. But think about what I just said. Oh, I can lift. 50 pounds 10 times a day. If I do it for, by the way, if we do a church as a team or do lifting as a team, we could lift 200,000 pounds. We could lift a million pounds together if all of us just lifted 50 pounds. And some of you go, I can't do that, Pastor. Okay, 10 pounds. You just lift 10 pounds 20 times a day. And we could all do together what we can't do by ourselves the point is for your life and my life is god will help you one day at a time that's what jesus said matthew 6:34 therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself have you noticed yeah each day has enough trouble of its own Listen, would you write this down? Perfect peace comes right in the middle of perfect storms. We remember that God is with us today to help us today as we turn to him today about today's concerns. The point is today. Bless you, today. May you be blessed. Acts 27, 17. And they pass the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Frapping. Some of you need Frapping. Now I hear lots of people use different forms of getting away religiously with the F word. Ever heard somebody say fricking? Why don't you start saying (laughs) frappin? I give you permission. I had a frappin' good day, baby. (laughs) Frappin? Yeah, frappin. You know frappin' is used two times in the Bible? In the Greek word for frappin, two times th- this story in Acts 27, and another time in Hebrews 4:16. The only time it's used twice. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we receive mercy and find grace to help. That's the word frapp. God's going to take His ropes of strength and comfort and peace, and put them around the ship of your life. Boy, if I was a preacher, I'd have fun here. <laughs> He's going to take the ropes. Anyway, I won't go there. (laughs) And he's going to tie you together with his cords that cannot be broken in the midst of your storm and and, and trying to figure out where to go. And you say, Lord, these aren't waters I would navigate. This isn't the direction I would take with my life. They're in a ship. They threw the anchor out. They threw everything off the edge of the boat. And they just go, hey, 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 we are subject to the winds and the waves but we're not going to lose our peace and our hope because we know that we've been frapped. First service told me I should tell you this. You, 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 should, you should lean into somebody next time they cuss at you and you should say, "frap you. <laughs> no, you should. Frap you. It's a blessing. Where'd you get that from? Our pastor told us. <laughs> well, then explain what it means. I've had people cuss at me, I mean, all the time. People tell cuss me out, tell me off. I just say, hey, hey, with a smiling face, frap you. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Explain it. Oh, it's referring to the ropes of God that hold your life together in the middle of the perfect storm. Well, by the way, don't say frap you because somebody may not understand, and you'll be in trouble, you'll be without a job, you won't tithe anymore, and we'll be out of business. So don't. <laughs> Don't, 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 don't do it. Hey, in the middle of the storm, number three, God's peace is found through yourself. By the way, when you see me, you can feel free anytime you want. Crap you, pastor. How how many how many need some crapping from God? Just curious. I know I'm being silly. Yeah, but this is true. Where, Where God just takes his ropes of strength and comfort and peace and blessing and holds your life together. Wow. In the middle of the storm, God's peace is found through worship. Through worship. Worshiping during the storm is not natural. It's not easy because it's easier to panic when the storms come than to worship. By the way, the sailors on Paul's boat, they were professional sailors. They knew what storms were like, but but this storm was such that caused them all to believe that they're not going to be saved. See, during the perfect storm, we remember that worshiping God is a choice and not a feeling. If you worship God only when times are good, not good. You have to worship him in the midst of the storm, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of overwhelming odds, in the midst of the doctor's prognosis that you did not want to hear. You just say, Lord, I choose to worship you. I'm not going to take time because I want to get you out on time, but 2 Chronicles 20 uh, is a good read. It's called Military Strategy. And you people that study uh, history and war or you in the military, uh, Jehoshaphat, let's just pretend he went to war college. He knows everything about war and how you fight wars and how you win wars. and, And so he He's he's in the back somewhere. Like like, pretend for a moment that you're you're all the, the enemy, and and you've joined forces together to annihilate, you know, Israel, and, and you're coming out in force. You have the most technologically advanced weapons you have, and and so you 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 hear the you you hear your enemy coming, and and, and they you can hear their feet, and you're ready now. You're ready with your javelins and your spears and your rock throwers and your dirt-clod bazookas, you're ready, your Nerf guns, you're ready. And all of a sudden, Jehoshaphat says, hey, change in plan. We're going to send the worship team and the worshipers out first. Now, if I'm on the worship team, I'm going, hey, you're not sending me out first because <laughs> you want me to die, you know what I mean? And, and he says, oh, no, 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 God's given us a strategy, and we can be at peace in the midst of war. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to come out. And, and, and so now you're, you're ready, right? You're, you're, the, you're the enemy. And here we come. Once you see the whites in their eyes, you don't see the whites of their eyes because they're all worshiping. You are faithful. And your plans are always good. And, and you're going, what on earth? Because you went to war college too. And you have all the, the plans your generals have given you, when they come left, you do this, you go, you go, you do this, X's and O's, we know where to go. And great is thy faithfulness, O oh God, my Father. What are they doing? And now you're starting to talk to each other and you're confused. You are so confused that you start fighting each other and killing each other. That's a great, read it, Second Chronicles 20. It's a great story. Listen, can I tell you, I don't know a whole lot about the devil, but I believe I'm right when I say this. When you worship in the midst of your perfect storm, he gets confused. And all the demons of hell who are watching the show are saying to the devil, change the channel. We don't want to watch the worship. We're trying to distract them, rob, steal, and kill their joy, and they're worshiping. Yeah, we don't, and they're here. Jesus, you're faithful. Huh? Lord, I need thee. There is none like you, holy God. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. God, thank you for your power and your strength. We need not fear what man can do to us because you are greater. Your plans are good. Your plans are for a future and a hope and expected end. God, your mercy is new and fresh every morning. And all of the enemies just starts to shrivel back and say, I'm melting! (laughs) Hey, some of your fears need to melt. Some of your worries need to melt. Boy, if I was a preacher, I'll tell you what. Paul speaks of a peace that surpasses understanding even when the circumstances are howling around us. See, when storms rage on the ocean of life, take it as a Invitation from God to go deep, to dive deep. There's a place in the ocean called the cushion of the sea. It is down so far, and captains of submarines know about it. It lies beneath the surface of the ocean that is agitated by the winds and the storms. But when you go way down to the cushion of the sea, nothing is stirring. It's fascinating. Nothing is stirring at all. Everything above is going crazy. Andrea Gale is sinking. $200 million loss of 13 lives in the perfect storm. But at the cushion of the sea, everything's calm. And here's the the story. Just dive deeper. Dive deeper where? Into the truth of Scripture. Dive deeper where? Into worship. Dive, Dive deeper where? Into the the formula that I gave you earlier, to rejoice and know that God is near, to be gentle, to give Him your requests and all your concerns. His presence, His sovereignty, His mercy, His promises, and His peace form a cushion of the sea that we could enter in no matter what we face. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.